Hey, Jill Fisk, how you doing? Brian Reardon, great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to be back in the studio for season four of Health Calls. I know you've been part of uh, our different podcasts and other audio reflections. Uh, you do you and the spiritual care team do such a great job, so I know you're no stranger to being in the studio on mic. It's great to be back and with you today. Yeah, so this is uh, the first episode of season four of Health Calls. It's uh, kind of incredible to think that we've already done, I think, close to 60 episodes so far between the previous iteration of this podcast and the new format, Health Call. So are you ready to start? I'm ready to start. Let's do it. This is Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon, and for this episode, we're going to talk about spiritual care in a virtual age. And with us, you just heard her voice, is Jill Fisk. She is the Director of Mission Services for CHA. Again, welcome, Jill. Thank you, Brian. And in studio, we have with us Justin Martin, he is a chaplain with Mercy, and we're going to bring him into the conversation in just a minute because he's got an exciting program that we just celebrated recently at our Catholic Health Assembly. They were our Achievement Citation winner, and we're going to talk about that. But I think I want to start, Jill, with you and really talk about um, spiritual care as it relates to holistic well-being. Obviously, we think of medical care as attending to folks' physical ailments, but In the Catholic health tradition, spiritual care is such a fundamental part of what we do. Absolutely, it is. When we say that we recognize whole person care, this includes all the dimensions of the human person. And uh, for us in our tradition, this is the way we've been doing it. Spiritual care has always been a part of the care that we provide. And in this virtual world, um, particularly since COVID, spiritual care doesn't always happen face-to-face at the bedside in a room. It's it's really, it's evolved, over particularly the last three years, is it not? It absolutely has. And if, I would say that it's one of the good things that's come of COVID, and that's sort of the recognition that spiritual care is essential uh, to caring for the whole person. And we go to where the patients are. And during COVID, the patients were not, were not right in front of us. So we had the opportunity to ask the question, how do we get there? Yeah, and it's, I think it's fascinating that the work of chaplains is really getting some overdue and I would say very positive media coverage. I'm thinking of a, an L.A. Times photojournalist that captured the work of a chaplain. Uh, there's a recent Sundance Film Festival documentary, A Still Small Voice. Um, so spiritual care in somewhat is it's getting its moment uh, in the spotlight. Why do you think that is? It's getting its moment in the spotlight because it's shown that it really is a viable discipline. Um, it is part of health. It has to be a part of healthcare. It can't. It, it's not just uh, one who accompanies someone to to offer a prayer. But it really is the extension for us. It's the extension of the Catholic health ministry. That means sacraments at the bedside. Um, and and for in in the last couple of years uh, where chaplains have turned 30 percent, that's pretty pretty standard, 30 percent of their care caring for caregivers. Yeah, we've done some episodes on that, about how much focus they've got at those who are providing the care and, and dealing with their well-being. And of course, well-being has been a focus throughout this year in our uh, Renew uh, Efforts initiative that we have around uh, well-being and wellness. So really, it's not about, when we say spiritual care and chaplaincy, we think of the religious elements, but it's much more than that. It is much more than that. How I like the question, how is it with your soul? Well, we're not. We are uh, dynamic persons that f- are intended to function holistically, uh, right? When our, when our mind 
mind is out of whack with our body, when our body is out of whack with our spirit, um, we're not functioning at our prime. And as we talk about human flourishing around here, um, it must encompass all that is the human person. And I want to now turn it over to uh, the colleague that we have in the studio with us to talk about a really I think, cool program. And again, like I said, it it won our achievement citation. So with us uh, here in the studio is Justin Martin. Again, he's a chaplain with Mercy. Welcome, Justin. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I guess start off with, tell us about the program, uh, the name of it. And again, congratulations on winning the achievement citation. But tell us a little bit about this award-winning program. Absolutely. So in the summer of 2020, um, Mercy began a medical program called COVID at Home. It was a 14-day program where we sent text messages to patients that were diagnosed with COVID or suspected to have COVID, and we sent them home, primarily because their elements did not warrant a hospitalization, but we still need to provide great care for them. And as a spiritual care leader, we also recognized that we needed to address the holistic person, and part of that was addressing their emotional and spiritual needs as their home, oftentimes even isolating from their own family in the same household. So we then began to think about what questions would we want to ask them? And it was the same questions we would ask a patient at a bedside. Um, Have you had a decreased loss of joy and meaning? Are you experiencing loss of connection to God or others? And are you experiencing grief? And based on those answers, then they were offered an opportunity to connect with a chaplain via telephone. Um, And that's really where our program began. And so telephone, I get that. And that makes sense because you've got a human voice. And and so let's start with that because I want to get into the texting thing. This fascinates me. So I think I heard you had, what, about 19,000 telephone encounters. Is that number right? That's correct. And so that seems pretty straightforward. You've you've got, uh, what was it, a hotline that folks could call? Talk talk through kind of the mechanics of how that worked. So absolutely. So a patient was sent around noon um, during this program a text message saying, this is mercy and we care about you. We would like for you to complete this spiritual questionnaire. And if they would you know, go through the questions, they would ask the question um, and they would press one for yes and two for no. And then once they got to the end of that, it would send an automatic note to our chaplain saying, hey, this is John Smith and here's the answers to his question. He would like for you to call him. And then you had a chaplain obviously on standby, ready to call. How long will those conversations usually last? And, and I imagine there were many follow-up phone calls. Absolutely. I would say on average, uh, most conversations lasted maybe 15 to 30 minutes. I mean, we obviously had some that went much longer. Significant amount of time. Yeah, that's interesting. And then occasionally we would have someone who would hit the wrong button and then realize like, oh, I didn't mean to hit that or thank you anyway, but I don't need care today. So we sort of have a full range, but I'd say on average 15 to 30 minutes. Yeah. And these are people that, again, are isolated, um, maybe in quarantine. And so I would imagine that outreach, that connection really had an impact. It was very much a holy moment when we designed it we didn't realize how impactful it would be. We started each text message to a patient, you know, using their name. Hi, John, this is Mercy, and we care about you. If we would have stopped just at that sentence, I think the program would have been hugely successful. So many patients gravitated just to being fully seen, embraced, and loved just by recognizing them in their situation. Yeah, and so then the text messaging part of that, um, I think, again, I'm throwing out numbers here, and uh, I'm always, it's a little dangerous with me in in math and numbers, but 220,000 text messages? Correct. So walk me through that again. People, um, I know we all get text messages from our barber saying, hey, your appointment, don't forget, come in Wednesday, your dentist. Um, did people opt into that? How, how did the genesis of, of like, yeah, we can communicate via text with these folks? Yeah. So um, that really began with our medical team because they were doing the same type 
platform, but they were doing it for questions about, are you having shortness of breath? Hmm. Um, how are your physical conditions? You know, asking those medical questions. So the platform was there, but we took the initiative to employ spiritual care. Um, sometimes our profession in spiritual care, we we tend to be very reactive. We'll wait until things sort of get solved medically, but this was a chance where we st- were able to step out and be bold and, hey, there's this new platform. Hey, can we have access to it? Can we use this to deliver our care to patients? So in a text message, then a patient is, is I would imagine, and I, we saw this in, in the video that we put together at CHA for your achievement citation, they can be pretty vulnerable. They open up on text. Is that surprising to you? I don't believe so. I mean, like you said, patients have the opportunity to disclose, but they can also just not respond, just like with your barber text message. (laughs) You know, I don't want to read or I'm not going to respond to that. But I often find even when I walk into a patient's room that I don't know in a hospital, it's always an invitation for relationship. And there's moments you're just surprised by how quickly patients want to engage or need that encouragement or engagement with a chaplain. So you found that it was people were saying, yeah, I'll connect with you. I will correspond with you via, I would imagine in most cases, it's a phone. And you'd have these this dialogue then between a chaplain and a patient over text. Yeah. Um, well, most of the time it would happen by telephone. So we would sort of use the text message to gauge their amount of distress that they're going through. And then once they were flagged as being distressed, our chaplains would call them and have that um, conversation with them about how we can maybe provide some coping skills or just um, encouragement or whatever the patient may need. So the text was really an entree to get them to, to kind of evaluate and screen. Correct. Um, you know, Mercy, like most health systems, we don't have enough chaplains to call 250,000 patients. So it was wonderful to use this technology tool, which allowed us to see more patients than we've ever been able to see with any other traditional models. And what about Zoom? Are you guys using Zoom or, or video technology, or is it just audio by phone? So for this program, we were intentional about doing audio by phone, but Mercy has a commitment to other technologies, and we use video platforms. This particular one, we chose text message and phone because it was the most accessible. We very much did not want to have patients that were already burdened by COVID to have to spend a lot of time learning new technology. We figured most people had the basic skills of responding to a text message or having a telephone call. Got it. So uh, this has been in existence now for at least a couple of years, correct? Yes. So it started in the summer of 2020, and then it ended here recently with the end of the um, pandemic being a national emergency. So what's the future of this this approach to spiritual care? Uh, Are you kind of evaluating how it can go forward? Um, And I guess what are the learnings from this, and what, what do you think other, not just Catholic health systems, but other health systems in general can apply this approach to spiritual care. Absolutely. Um, I think it allows us to reach far more patients than we could in the traditional model. One of our limitations with what Chapley has been the last 20 or 30 years is we've been very reliant on patients coming to us in a hospital or even in a clinic. And then we've also been reliant on needing other co-workers to ask them questions or to place referrals to a chaplain. So we're adding all this burden on the healthcare system. We find that by using this technology and by using some simple AI that we're able to allow the patients to, you know, address their own um, distress, bring it forward, and a chaplain's able to respond. So the AI, there is, um, and this is obviously a really hot topic right now, and I think will continue to be, but this is sort of a way, again, to use an algorithm to sort of flag somebody like this. This person goes to the head of the line as far as a a call from a chaplain, because you you can pick out some key phrases that show someone's in distress. Yeah. And this one was a very simple AI. As you know, AI is a very hot button issue in healthcare. 
But this was as simple as the patient answered yes to the question. So then okay. for they need a chaplain or they answered no to the question. And so we'll send them a link to additional resources if they change their mind, but we're not going to have a chaplain reach out to them. So my other question would be, um, because you're doing these consults or counseling, if you will, via phone, how do your chaplains feel about that? Do they feel like something's missing, that, again, connection, or do they feel like, hey, this is a really, it's, it's beneficial to both us and the patient? So Mercy is on the forefront. In 2015, we began having virtual chaplains. Okay. So well before the pandemic. So we started building up this skill set within our own profession. And then obviously, we continue to do education. Um, when the pandemic was at its peak, you know, we had so many referrals and so many consults that we needed to recruit and educate more chaplains to help us make these calls. And there is that sort of initial leeriness of how do I translate my skills at a bedside to a telephone call? But I think with some just education and practice, I think most chaplains overcame that quite easily. And reaction from patients. We saw a couple in the video. And again, I would encourage anybody listening uh, to watch. It's about a seven minute video. Um, it's the achievement citation video that's on our, our website. It Probably the easiest way to get there is just at the bottom of the page. There's a video link, and you can see that. But really, we heard from a couple of patients in that video, very positive. But can you share a little bit about what are patients saying about this experience? Yeah, patients are appreciating it because many of them are scared. Um, they are being told by their healthcare provider that they have COVID, and they may um, not know what that means for them, especially early on in the pandemic, and told to stay at home or even to isolate from other family members. And you know, by doing this spiritual care encounter, they're at least having contact with one other person who's able to say, I too may not know what this means for you or for us, but we're we're going to walk together for this time. And that, that comfort alone has been so um, appreciative by so many patients. And so going forward, um, you mentioned earlier that um, this is really specific to COVID and those patients, but we've heard a lot about hospitals at home approaches to care. So people that really would be better served in a home health type of environment. Do you see a place for these uh, spiritual care virtual encounters uh, as patients are getting more care from home? Absolutely. So Mercy's used this exact same tool with other patient populations. Um, we currently have several chaplains now that are using this with patients that are receiving palliative care. Hmm. Um, we know another population that's very high in emotional and spiritual distress. And how can we use these exact same questions and to meet their needs? And as we continue to grow as a healthcare system and um, as we continue to expand with our at-home care, I can imagine this screening tool will continue to reach new and growing populations. And I'm going to bring Jill in in just a second to get her to reflect and maybe have some questions. Last one would be um, related to how the profession of chaplaincy may be affected by this. As you mentioned, you know, the, the staffing. I know um, the pipeline of, of chaplains is something that's been challenging for healthcare in general. Um, so how do you see this changing the profession? I think it moves us forward in the sense of, you know, I don't think any healthcare system is going to get to the place where we have, quote unquote, enough chaplains, you know, mm -hmm. where we're having hundreds of chaplains at one hospital. But if we could use this technology to help us identify what patients are in distress and need to be seen by a board certified chaplain or a skilled chaplain, it allows us to have a much broader reach than what could be to traditionally access this by one chaplain in a hospital. Um, I know there is some leeriness by some that the technology will replace us. You know, mm -hmm. we'll have these sort of robot chaplains wandering the hallways or making telephone calls. And while I hear that 
distress, I, I don't see it as replacing us. I see it as augmenting the care that we provide to reach so many more people. You know, I as one chaplain, there's no way I could have called 250,000 patients. But I can use technology to allow 250,000 patients to know that I'm here and available for them. Yeah, I love that 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 point of connection. Jill, uh, you've been listening in on the conversation. So thoughts and, and questions for Justin? Oh, I, I, I have some. Absolutely. <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things, uh, Justin, you've talked about this really sort of from the impact of the, the spiritual care that Mercy can provide, but I'm certain that this has impacted you personally. And I'd love to hear you share. Was there a particular holy moment uh, in an encounter with a patient where you knew that this was sort of the right next step in spiritual care. Absolutely. I can think of a particular patient who um, was answered that they had distress in all three of those questions I mentioned previously and called this patient and quickly could just tell by the tone of um, her voice that she was quite distressed. And she had told me that she had recently come down with COVID and so did her husband and so did her three kids in the household. So the whole household had COVID. And in a matter of talking to her and just, you know, I learned that she had had four or five deaths in her family of COVID. So this is a woman that was really at rock bottom and just felt very distressed and just being able to be present with her to recognize that she was experiencing grief, that she wasn't able to do those rituals of attending funerals and all those things that so many of us take comfort in um, was a holy moment that I was able to sit there. And we actually did with her, I did sort of an impromptu funeral for those loved ones. Mm -hmm. We went through sort of the liturgy of her faith tradition and recited some of those prayers that she wasn't able to participate in like she had expected. What a huge blessing for you. I'm sure that must have been. Wow. Well, Justin, I, I mean, I have to say thank you for uh, just being a part of, uh, of a ministry that's willing to pioneer, that's willing to innovate. Um, it really is just sort of the next right step in front of us, isn't it? It's the very next patient. Um, yeah, I could, I could probably ask one more question. Please do, yeah. Great. And, you know, one of the things, too, that I, that I see is not only access to more patients and more patients where they are, but you, you had mentioned sort of the, the way that, that previous uh, spiritual care has always gone in a way where it's sort of after that that physical diagnosis, after care is already, you're already in the intervention of that. But um, how is this increasing the sort of uh, proactivity for spiritual care to be um, an important conversation partner across the care team? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked that question, you know, of how do we introduce chaplains to patients without the crisis. Mm. You know, how do we not wait until someone's in the hospital before we say, hey, this is what spiritual care is or can do for you? And I think we do that by introducing it to more and more patient populations. I mentioned palliative care. Obviously, that's a high crisis. But we're also doing it with healthier populations. Um, we have one hospital that is doing it with their physical therapy patients. Mm. It's often a much healthier patient population, but we're at least introducing them to spiritual care. That way, if they need it, maybe not in this moment, but down the road, they at least know what it is and is familiar with the practice. Yeah, because it, this is all part of, of being healthy, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's that holistic approach. Well, Justin, this has been great. Again, congratulations on being recognized uh, for this Mercy at Home program where you're reaching out to people proactively. I, I love that last point that you made, that this is not something 
that really only benefits those people who may be struggling with, you know, a near-death experience or, or illness. Or, but really, if and I love the fact that, you know, physical therapy, that makes sense because those folks, you know, providing uh, this type of care that's beyond just, you know, doing that work on a, a knee after surgery or whatever is so, so important to the healing process. So uh, you and your team and everybody at Mercy is to be commended for this program. Well, thank you to you and to all of CHA for being so supportive and recognizing our great work. Again, that was Justin Martin. He's a chaplain at Mercy. Again, check out the video of the program that, again, can be found on the chausa.org website under our video link. Uh, Jill Fisk, again, Director of Mission Services at CHA, thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you again in an upcoming episode because this is, again, lots of things to talk about in, in the spiritual care environment. There sure are. And this has been another episode of Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon. Health Calls is produced by Josh Matica of CHA, and it is engineered by Brian Hartman at Clayton Studios in St. Louis. You can listen to Health Calls from the CHA website. I gave that address earlier. I'll give it again at chausa.org. You can also access Health Calls on your favorite podcast apps and platforms. Thanks for listening. 